This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Today we kick off a brand new series called Resilient. And today we're talking about rolling with the punches. And rolling with the punches is just all about, hey, I can take a hit. Maybe not brace for a full impact, but I can take a hit and I can keep moving. I can stay light on my toes. And I think you saw in the bumper video, I can even get knocked down, but I want to be one who can bounce back, who can get up. And how many think in recent years we've seen a lack of resilience in our country and more uh, pointed toward our church and, and those who call themselves followers of Jesus? What do we need to do to take steps in resilience? Because I see too many people today getting knocked down and not getting back up, getting knocked down and stopping, getting knocked down and no longer getting up, going forward and growing. And I hear, I want to tell you, I'm almost 50, but I don't want this series to come off. I, I wanted the first part to say, suck it up, buttercup. But I thought <laughs> that's not the tone that we want for this series. Because there are people dealing with some real heavy, heavy situations, circumstances, trials, testings right now. And we don't want the tone of this to be just get over it and get on with life. No, we want to look to the scripture clearly for what it means to be a resilient believer, full of perseverance and endurance, getting up when knocked down. I grew up in the 80s. Who grew up in the 80s? Probably the best decade this country's ever seen. Uh, But we used to watch shows on TV. Remember in the 80s, it was daredevils and stuntmen. They would always come on. We even had a show called That's Incredible. Oh, I love that show. And before a stunt, they would always say what? A guy would come on the screen and go, boys and girls, do not try this at home. Well, we probably will the next morning. And we did, especially after watching an evil Knievel jump. This is what our neighborhood looked like after an evil Knievel jump. And you know, I drive around Branson and the Ozarks all the time. And you know what I'm sad? I don't think in my entire time living here, I know I haven't seen it in the last 10 years. I don't see kids jumping their bikes anymore. Why not? I hope out of today's message, some of you will go home and build a ramp (laughs) to teach your kids how to jump their bike out there in the street where the cars are. That's where you do it. I love this picture because you can see, listen, this guy, he's got no helmet, no pads. You don't need them. If you survived the 80s, you're a resilient individual. But here's how you knew who your true friends were. They were the ones who would lay down on the ground for you. These are good friends, but these are your best friends. Now, I'm not a geometry expert, but I can tell by where he's at in the trajectory that this guy here ain't making it. And a couple of things. He's smiling, and this ain't his first rodeo. So let's see some kids jumping bikes today. Let's do it. And you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have, what do we call Grow Up Sunday? It's not called Grow Up Sunday. It's called Move Up Sunday. And they're going to do push-ups out in the the courtyard. And how many of you remember? I think in the 80s, we ate ice cream out of toilet paper rolls. And I told Stephanie, make sure the push-ups that we have out there are as nasty looking as this thing right here. In about the 70s, I just, I miss, I don't see this a lot anymore too. Kids sleeping in the back window of the car. 
Um, I don't see kids riding in the backs of trucks. You don't see that anymore, right? And we all, I remember once we had to go about a mile and we didn't have enough room in the car. And so two of my friends just laid on the hood. That was the 80s. Some of you are new to the church. There's, there's some families going, this is reckless, but this is. And then parents said, we probably should get serious about child safety in the car. So we had our first car seats back in the 70s. And the problem with the kids you're raising these days, you're strapping them in like you're launching them to outer space. Let them have a little fun with it. We got so cocky in the 80s with our resilience that we actually, we believed that Russia was going to take us out with the nuclear bomb. I was born outside of Chicago, so we were always ready. We knew we'd be one of the target cities. We were so cocky about our resilience, we believed this would protect us. And we did drills. If you don't know what this is, this is a school desk. And we, instead of doing fire drills, we did nuclear blast drills where we would get under these desks and kiss our... No, I'm not going to do that joke. You know what I'm saying. But we would... And the teachers, I saw them out in the hall laughing at us. They're always laughing because this ain't going to do nothing. But we were resilient. Maybe... Let me give you three scenarios and see if you've experienced this in your life in recent days. Maybe you uh, go home for a family gathering and you're talking to a family member who just quit their job, and they're fired up. And you're like, wow, quitting your job, that's a pretty big deal. What happened? What was said? They tell you what was said or what happened, and after they share with you, you're like, that's not a big deal. I don't think I'd quit a job over that. Students, you're going back in a couple of weeks, and you're going to talk to a friend who talks about another person and says, you know, I know we, we used to be friends. We're not friends anymore. Wow, you guys were friends for like 10 years. Why did you end that friendship? They tell you what, what, what happened, and, and you're like, that, that's, not, that's not a reason to end a friendship. That's trivial. Like, that's something I think you should be able to get over. Let's bring it closer to home. Maybe you've heard somebody has left the church. We have guests here from out of town, too, and, and maybe you've had people leave your church. I think it happens all around the country. And when you ask people, hey, why would you leave your faith community? Leaving your faith community is a big deal. Why'd you leave? And then they tell you, and you're like, I don't think that's a big deal. Are there good reasons to quit a job? Yes, of course there are. <laughs> uh, some of you, I know, it's, I just love the stories I know in the church. And some of you are like, yes, and uh, it's happening tomorrow. Uh, are there good reasons to end a friendship? Yeah, if it gets toxic, of course there are good reasons to end a friendship. Are there good reasons to leave a church? You can answer yes. It's not rhetorical. I don't know. What are you going to call me out? Yeah, some of you. Some of you, there's some real good reasons. And you're the reason. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a joke. That was just a joke. So we're not, we're not minimizing today. We know there are good reasons to leave a job, good reasons to end a friendship, and good reasons to find a new faith community. But what we're talking about today and then for the next few weeks is we're looking... Well, today specifically, we're looking at insults. How to roll with the punches when someone criticizes you and insults you. What does Jesus say about that? How do we move forward? Next week, we're going to talk about conflict. I just see too many conflicts taking out relationships, taking out marriages, taking out families. How do we bounce back from a conflict? Then we'll look at trials. Adam Donye is going to end this series. And did we pick a perfect one to end this series? Adam, he's ready to go. He watched that trailer and he goes, I'm ready to go through a brick wall. Uh, But here's the definition of resilient. To withstand or bounce back from difficult situations. 
to, to withstand or bounce back from difficult conversations. And that's the resilience you, you don't see today in a lot of people. Like just, just quitting and ending and walking away over trivial, uh, I would even say n- nonsensical reasons. And it's interesting to me, it's the bounce back part. Because some of you truly do feel knocked down. It, it knocked down, the last uh, message in this series is called Knocked Down But Not Out. What do you do to get up and keep moving? So we're going to look at five lessons today on resilience, specifically when it comes to those who insult you. Number one, resilience does not retaliate when insulted. But what do we do? You insult me, I'm insulting you. You come at me, I'm coming back at you. And we stand off with the person. And Jesus is going to teach us another way. Because if you're not careful and the insults are coming at you, and you respond in kind, not kindly, but in kind, you're going back at that person. If you're not careful, you'll become like that person. You'll take on the traits of that person. And everything they're saying about you, you're just validating it. The believer in Christ Jesus does not retaliate. And so Jesus is going to share clearly. We're going to go to the Sermon on the Mount to start today, Matthew 5, 38 through 44. You have heard that it was said, we're going to see that twice in this text, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. This was right out of the Old Testament. This is uh, to, to take what was given, but not to retaliate beyond that. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, it's very important to understand in this text, Jesus is not teaching pacifism. This isn't a text directed toward a government saying, don't go at an evil nation, don't uh, seek justice. It's not, it's not speaking of pacifism. And it's not telling you, don't... Uh, Use self-defense if someone's coming after you or your family. That's, that's not at all. This is Jesus speaking in hyperbole, teaching us, do not retaliate. The believer does not have the spirit of retaliation, going back at a person the way they're coming at you. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Have you heard anything more difficult in your life this week than that right there? Commentaries say this, a slap on the cheek. And notice it's not a punch, it's a slap. A slap on the cheek. I keep thinking about what's that burrito challenge that everybody's doing, slapping each other with tortillas. I thought about, we should do that. Uh, Pass out tortillas as people come in and just have the church slapping each other. But most commentaries say this is just a little bit more than a mere insult. And when, when we're insulted, when we're slapped, stay standing. Don't let that knock you out. Actually, turn the other cheek. Going to get three more examples here. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, now think about this, speaking to a Jew. In that day, the law allowed a Roman soldier to look to a Jew and say, drop everything that you're carrying with you right now and take my load, and you have to carry it for me. And the law said, for one mile. And at the end of that one mile, you could drop it because your obligation was fulfilled. But what does Jesus say? If anyone forces you to go the one mile, jump back there, Katie, go with them too. Turn the obligation into an opportunity. Don't just do what you have to do, but go above and beyond. Scripture goes on to say in verse 42, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Here it is. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. (laughs) 
And, and we are reminded this morning that God has not changed the hate rule. There's no room for it in our hearts, followers of Jesus. We have to be very careful and understand what we're called to. And the bottom line is this. I don't want this for you. I don't want this for me. I don't want to become like the person insulting me. Whether that's your boss, could be a family member, could be a spouse. I'm not going to go back and forth because I don't want to become like that person. That person who's totally wearing you out. When you go back at them the way they're coming at you, you're becoming like them. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory. Let's get good at this. To overlook an offense. Stop being so easily offended. Stop being so easily offended where everything just takes you out. That relationship's over. I'm done with that job. I'm done with that church. I didn't like the way the person looked at me. There's a lot of servers in here. Stop allowing one bad customer early in your shift to ruin the rest of the shift. Stop allowing it to take you out. Roll with the punches. Overlook the offense. Move on and continue to serve. Here's some breaking news from this week. Local Facebook user discovers they can simply scroll past posts they disagree with instead of leaving an essay in the comment section. I was blown away by that. You can scroll past a potential offense. You don't have to stop and show up to every fight you're invited to. You can scroll past it. Some of you are going to be sitting next to your spouse this week, having a wonderful day. They're going to see something online and be like, oh, I'm offended. And now I'm going to share with you so you can be equally offended. And we offended together. It's going to help. Listen, you're, you're wasting your days. You are, you are letting them, what did they, they say, live rent-free in your head. Knock it off. Just walk away. Scroll past. Toss the phone in tiny coma. Whatever you need to do. (laughs) Stop allowing the insults and criticism, the ridicule. Like, but they're offending my faith. Scroll past. You don't have to stop and match the insult with another insult. Just mark this. If you're taking notes, primer for 2024 election as we prepare You don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. And and when you do have to get into a difficult conversation or you're in a conflict, you don't have to take every hit. Just roll with the punches. That's number one. Number two, be encouraged by this. God sees every offense. Ultimately, God will deal with every offender. But he also sees your response. He sees how well we're doing with this. Look how quiet it is in here. Let's stick with the defender part. I want him to get that offender. He is my defender, and he sees every offender. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? What a question. Isn't this something? How many people have you known that have been mad at something that happened to them, and they tell you what happened to them, and I can't believe the person did it? And you're like, you had it coming. (laughs) I hate to say it, but you're 100% to blame for that one. Can you believe so-and-so said or did this to me? What'd you do? Oh, okay. And so what, what's Peter saying here? It's like, don't, you, can't, you, you can't look at that and be like, why is this unjust, this, you know, this unjust person coming at me? No. But, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. 
If you continue to do the right thing, if you continue to move forward, if you continue to not match insult for insult, God sees that. He sees the offense. So here's, in this victim culture that we live in, we need to all be reminded of this. You may be 0% to blame for what happened to you, but you are 100% responsible for your healing and treatment of others. Now, I want to say here, some of you are walking around with a lot of trauma that was brought against you. And it is real trauma. A friend of mine in ministry says there's big T trauma and little T trauma. And a lot of people take the pain and the hurt in life and they want to just call it big T trauma and everything becomes... But, but, but there's real trauma out there and some of you have been through that and you deal with anxiety, depression, all that and we completely understand that. And we walk alongside you through that. What happened to you is not your fault. But what you do moving forward is your responsibility. And there's so many, I know, cliches with this. If you don't heal, you'll end up bleeding on people who didn't cut you. You're a victim. If you're not careful, you'll take that and you'll, you'll become the offender and you'll become the bully. You'll become the abuser. We see it online all the time. People who have been offended, people who have been hurt, people who have been traumatized, who feel now I have a right to... Bah! No, you are ultimately responsible before God for the way you treat other people and for your healing. And I think this is important to say when we're talking about this, that I think podcast books, therapy, are good for you. But they do not qualify you to be a therapist. They do not qualify you to diagnose the trauma, the narcissism, the PTSD, whatever the case. We see it all, just words that are thrown out there like crazy day from people who read a book or listened to a podcast. You, you want to help a friend? Move them toward the help that they need. Help them on the healing journey. But, but don't allow us to sit there and go, this person's to blame. And until that person does this, until that person seeks forgiveness, until that person wants to be reconciled, I have every right to do what I do. I have every right to say what I need to say. No, you're 100% responsible before God for the way you treat other people. Number three, every offense, every insult, is an opportunity to grow and build your resilience. Everyone. In 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, it speaks of all kinds of trials. Not one specific trial is mentioned, so this is speaking of the pressures, the difficulties, the testings of life. And we read in verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. For a little while. Do you know what you're going through right now won't last forever? You're like, well, how long is it going to last? I can promise you this. It will not last into eternity. You're like, I'm 50. I potentially have 30 more years. I can promise you this. It won't last more than 30 years. And that's a little while when you think about the days of our lives in the scope of eternity. What you're going through now is for a little while. Jimmy Dodd, who was here last week, he spent three hours with our staff on Monday and I just, I just want to tell you, Jimmy Dodd, I mean, God is using that man around the country in a big way. And he prayed something at the end of the day that uh, I think it's one of those prayers he probably prays often, but uh, it stuck with me and the Lord used it. He just said this at the end of his prayer, Lord, for the unsaved, life on this earth is as good as it gets. For the believer in Christ Jesus, this is as bad as as it will ever be. 
Man, I've, I've, I've prayed that all week. When I think about resilience through trials and pressures and tests, what you're going through now is only for a little while. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, pressures and stress and difficulties that hit us in life. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith A lot of people blame the pandemic for the way they behaved. The pandemic didn't create your behavior. It revealed it. The pandemic didn't create your heart. It revealed it. And this is exactly what he's saying. What you're going through, whatever the trial is, we went through a national global trial three years ago. And it revealed a lot. And what is he saying? genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed in other words what what you're going through now becomes a testimony because something that you can share gary smalley always loved to use this word picture with me when i would go through something he'd say this is just raising your threshold of pain you know why you got to stick out a job when you want to quit over trivial issues. You know know why you need to keep that friendship and reconcile when it's over trivial issues. You know why you need to stay in a church when it's over trivial issues? Because eventually, some point in your life, big things are going to happen. There's going to be a crisis. And if you can't handle the pain at this level, and you can't bounce back and grow from the little insults and offenses that hit us in life, you won't be ready for when the big issues hit. And Gary would just say, right now your threshold of pain is here. You go through something, it just raises a little bit more. It's why I love when leaders come to me or somebody comes to me and goes, hey, you're never going to believe it, but they moved me up at my job to manager. You have anything to share, anything to encourage me with? I'm like, all it means is that the the target on your back just got larger. I'm here to encourage you, whatever you need to (laughs) move forward in your new role. But you know this, as you take on more responsibility at work and as you lead people, it just, it just grows the target on your back. And people are going to come at you. And who knows what God has planned for you 10 or 20 years from now in life for you. But I want to be prepared for it. And that means I have to deal with what I'm going through right now. I need to bounce back from this right now. Number four, resilience grows every time you get up and keep moving. Every time you get up and keep moving, something Jimmy did with our staff that uh, I was scribbling notes as fast as I could, so encouraging. Uh, He just talked about the difference between competency and character. And he put it on a chart like this. If you think about your competency, your character, this is just a scale of 1 to 10. But here's the lifespan and and from the the teens in the room all the way up to those in the 80s. And I know some of you are offended because I didn't put your age off there uh, on the right. But we've only got a couple of them. and he said, I want you to think about what you're good at right now, your competency, your, your God-given abilities, your gifts, talents, your skills. What is it? Some of you are teachers, some of you are engineers, some of you are entertainers, some of you are instrumentalists, uh, some of you are management. And, and he says, most people will start off their adult life or their career around a six or a seven. In other words, you should probably find something to do for employment or a career that you're a six or seven at. And then, and he says, and it's just a slow build, but over the years, you, you work at that for 30, 40 years. Like, I, I, I love comedians, right? And I follow comedians, and, and I'm like, 30 years later, this comedian is skilled. They've got timing down, right? They, they got it. But then I love going back and watching videos from 20 years ago, being like, ooh, they were good. 
But now, see, that's what he's talking about right here. And here's the line for maturity. The line for maturity. And he says, when your maturity matches your gifts, talents, and skills, that's when you begin to thrive. And I want you to see when this, whoever this person is, and it's going to be different for everyone, but this person started thriving right around retirement. (laughs) Part of my issue with retirement. You're at your best. You've got, you have like honed in your skills. You are incredible at whatever it is you do. Your character matches it. You are the one we need to turn to and look. But the problem right here is this gap. And he says, I can promise you, this is a great illustration. Jimmy loves sports. Uh, huge KU fan. Did you pick that up? Did he wear a KU shirt? He didn't last week. Anyway, uh, he said, you can bet before the NFL team drafts a player, they're looking at a chart almost just like this. Because they're, they're looking at the first draft pick like a 10 quarterback. A 10 quarterback with a 1 or 2 on the maturity level. A.K.A. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> it's a classic example of this though. And you know what they're gambling? And they truly are gambling. They're sitting there going, this quarterback is incredible. However, can this program, can our coaches grow him up? Before, his retirement would be in here somewhere. Can we grow him up? Because we don't want to pay all this money for some guy that's going to flame out. And as Jimmy was sharing this, I, I, man, it hit me as I was preparing for today. Do you see all these dips right here? Like I, I circled all of these in my notes and I'm going right there. All of those dips were major life events. Uh, I would call them knockout blows probably. Got fired from a job, went through a divorce, a friend walked away from you and discredited you and slandered you, Uh, uh, a leader that you loved and respected turned their back on you. You have a family member disown you. And because you've met people, right? You've met people who are 40, 50, 60. I've met people 70, 80 years old, but this line never moved much past here. But these are people who got knocked down and said, what am I going to learn from this? How will I grow? And every time you get knocked down, you have to make a choice. Am I going to get up? Am I going to keep moving? Or am I going to stay here? Because this is, this is where the growth takes place. Now, here's, here's another line that's very important, especially in Branson. <laughs> if you're looking for a mentor or a coach in whatever field that you're in, find someone in their 60s, 70s, 80s who's thriving. I mean, they, they, they're not going to be able to meet with you for long. I'm not being mean, but Ron, you need a nap, don't you? How, Ron, <laughs> how old are you, Ron? 82. See, he's sitting down here, front row. He's got a little bit. Ron would be about right here. I'd put Ron right about there. But this is why I tell the 60, 70, 80 year olds in our church, you're probably at your most influential season of life. For you just to sit back and watch Fox News all day. I gotta tell you, get out there, be with people. Young people at this age, you don't need coffee dates, you know, with mentors in this season of life. You need to find them down here. And invest, but, but are we getting back up? Here's what the scripture says. Romans 5, 3 through 4. Not only so, but we also glory in our 
sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Again, I, I, think, I don't think we talk enough about it. Yeah, there are lessons to learn from the knockdown. But you know what is also important? The getting up. And to keep moving. Saying, I'm not going to allow this to take me out. Character, hope. And here, just to encourage you, whatever season you're in right now, whatever suffering you're going through, it will be painful in the short term. It will be. I know what you're going through is extremely painful. And it's difficult and it's challenging. But respond well, grow, get up, keep moving. And you'll be grateful. And you'll have a story to tell in the long term. And number five. Number five is where we'll pick up again next week. But believers... Build resilience by considering the sufferings of Jesus. By turning our eyes off of the problem and turning them on Jesus. By not being fixed on the circumstance, but being fixed on Christ. And here's what we read in Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of Old Testament witnesses. If you're taking notes, write Hebrews 11. If you've got time this week, go back to Hebrews 11. And learn about, they lived by faith. So who lived by faith, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And, and sometimes people read this and think these, this cloud of witnesses, it, they're, they're spectators. They're looking down on us. That's not at all what it's talking about. They're not looking down on us. They're not spectators. They're the ones who have gone before us that we can learn from. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Key here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The end. I'm not a basketball player. I didn't have a real great uh, sports career in high school. But I can remember where the coach always told me to look on that basket. Didn't help me, but I know it helped a lot of other people. <laughs> and the same thing with running. Don't, don't look down at your feet. Right? Keep your eyes fixed. And let me tell you, the circumstances, the race, I mean, everything going on in your life right now, it's moving constantly. Look at what it says. Jesus, keep your eyes fixed there because he's fixed. He's never changing. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is victory for Jesus, and that's victory for you, believer in Christ. Ultimate victory. Verse 3. Consider him. Now this is where it takes a little bit of a turn. You need to consider what you're going through in light of what Jesus went through. He says, consider him, whatever you're going through, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When you get up, don't get up from whatever knocked you down and begin immediately looking at all that's going on around you. You get up and keep your eyes fixed. I have a friend going through it terrible trial right now. I mean, everything is hitting my friend. He lives in another state. I mean, on every level. And, and I said, and people slandering him and saying all these falsehoods about him. And I asked him, I go, man, how are you enduring all of this? Like I would, I think I'd be a puddle with some of the stuff that's been said about you. I'm a real encourager if you need to know. If you do. But he was encouraging me going through the most, probably the most difficult trial of his life in ministry. He said, I don't know. He said, he goes, I just know that everything around me just doesn't even feel real. Like, it's, it's like, and, and every time I look up, he goes, I just have this overwhelming peace I can't explain. And so long as I stay there, I know I'm taken care of. I know the one who goes before me 
He is, he is my guard. And he said, so whatever is said and all that. And I think that the problem is some of you got knocked down. You get back up and you go right back to looking around with everybody saying, no, when you get up, keep looking up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And then I was, <laughs> I was with a, a friend a few weeks ago. His initials are Wes Hartley. And uh, all of you in the chapel and over in the courtyard and watching online, Wes is the one directing all the cameras to making sure all the video goes out. He's become a dear friend. And uh, I was sharing with Wes some of the things I've been going through. And, uh, and some, some, some of it was pretty heavy, pretty heavy stuff. And as I shared it with him, he got that smirk on his face. Like, and I went right back to Gary Smalling because I would share something deep hurting in my life with Gary and he'd respond with, it's awesome. He says, it's raising your threshold of pain. And I just hear about this, Ted, and I just want to go. And Wes was doing the exact same thing. I go, no, you understand what, what, what's coming against me and you need to understand. And he's like, And he, he took, he goes, you know, why is it in Hebrews chapter 12, we typically only read verses one through three, but we never move on to verse four. And he opened his Bible and shared with me verse four. In your struggle against sin, your sin, but also that opposition from sinners, sinful man, just the sinful world that we live in. In your struggle against all that you're dealing with, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Look at those are the, all those Baptist holy mooing right now. You hear it? Mmm. Mmm. And Wes says this you haven't been martyred yet. And I can tell you this is true of every person sitting in here. You haven't shed blood yet over it. So get up and keep moving. And you, and you may get bloodied a little bit. Keep moving. And, and Wes just, I mean, and this became a sacred echo in my life. Every time I wanted to whine or complain about something that was happening to me, keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and understand I'm still walking. I got no dents and I'm not bleeding. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is some of you are going through very difficult trials, but you've not yet been martyred for your faith. And until that happens, keep going. Keep running your race. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I do pray for each and every believer in Christ Jesus right now. Some are going through heavy, painful trials, tests, and pressures in life. And it, it's an overwhelming weight. And they feel knocked down. And they've been staying on the ground. Our prayer today is that they are able to get up with the help of brothers and sisters in Christ gathered around them, able to persevere and endure these trials. Let this church always be fixed on Jesus, our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. May we count it joy as he counted it joy. May this be true of each and every one of us. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. That they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that, they, that he has been raised from the dead. And that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We pray this in the authority of the good name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...
Amen. Love you all. The prayer team is down front. We'll see you next week for round two.